You're listening to the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. All right, let's get to it. Still in quarantine. We're still in quarantine. <laughs> I'm trying to sound excited, but you know, you know the bright side is I do get to leave my house four days a week because I do still have to go to work in the city. But like, it's not the same when it's just you go to work and then you come home and then that's it. You know, I you know I I I haven't asked you while we've been doing this because you have been having to go to work. But what has it been like being in the city right now? I mean, being in the city's all right. It's quiet. I will say. But it just be it just must be eerie seeing like, you know, places like Times Square just completely empty. Well, you know what? People are starting to come back just a little bit because there are people that are still. Oh, by the way, this is the not another wrestling podcast. Should yes, this CJ Palmasano. This is not our regular conversations. <laughs> this is us just rambling. Yes, that's what but, we do. Uh, but, that's what we do all the time. Exactly, but yeah, Times Square is still a little empty, but it's not as bad as it was two months ago. Like two months ago, it was like absolutely dead. Now it's like the weather's getting better. People are coming outside, yeah. and uh, yeah, people are growing impatient. Some people are even going back to work. So, yeah. I mean, hey, it's um, anyway. there are a lot of people. I, I, things are starting to look up a bit. So, and and it's not a matter you can't go outside. It's just just be safe when you go outside. Keep your distance. Keep your distance. You know. Exactly. Yes. So, welcome back, people. Yes, welcome back. So we got a little bit to talk about today. We're going to dive into a little bit of uh, All Elite Wrestling. We haven't had uh, a lot of times to really do that in the last couple of weeks because of everything that's been going on. We'll but if you need, bit. sorry, Sean, but if you need your double or nothing AEW fix next week, we're going to have uh, mainly the episode is going to be about AEW because Double or Nothing should be happening next Saturday, I believe. Yes. It will happen on schedule. It is going to happen at Daly's Place, it looks like. So we'll touch on that a little more next week. Uh, but we will dive into what they're starting to set up on Dynamite. So we'll, we'll start the show with that. We'll, we'll continue with some NXT, a little bit that's happened this week. Uh, Money in the Bank is this Sunday, so we'll touch on that. CJ and I made another list this week, top 10 Money in the Bank cash-ins. So I'm we're excited talk about, about this one. That. I'm excited about this one, too. I, I have a feeling that ours are going to be relatively the same, but way out of order from each other, and, and some a little bit surprising, too. So I'm excited to compare and contrast that one. CJ and I have no idea what our lists look like. We haven't even shared with them. So we're Mm-mm. basically going to read them to each other for the first time uh, a little later. And, of course, we'll have our Money in the Bank predictions for the show this Sunday. CJ, I was talking to you off mic, too, that a lot of programming this Sunday. Uh, for anybody that's uh, a WWE and also a sports fan, you've got – Two new episodes of The Last Dance this Sunday. You have the Money in the Bank pay-per-view this Sunday. The Undertaker, uh, I believe a 10-part documentary coming out after the pay-per-view Sunday. I'm going to be up till like 3, 4 o'clock in the morning watching all this crap. Uh, I won't be up all night, but I'll definitely catch some of this stuff later on. Um, who am I kidding? I'm up, all, I'm up all night all the time. I just probably won't watch it all night. <laughs> um, I, I am excited for that Taker documentary, though, because I remember watching the the brief like sneak peek they gave after Mania. Whichever, yeah. whichever it was night one or two. It was after me. It was it was like a thirty minute preview or something like that. I'm like, damn, that looks good. And maybe this is how Taker retires. This is how he kind of does it. I don't know. Um, Through a documentary. Maybe. I mean, I'm not sure. But if he keeps coming back, there is one thing I did think about. Well, actually, I saw in Wrestle Talk clips the other day. Um, I think we could have Taker and Sting if they do it in the style of the Boneyard match. Right. I think if we 
did boneyard matches for Taker every time he came back, or at least that style. I, Taker could go on forever. Oh, he can go into his seventies if he wanted to. I don't know about that. <laughs> well, <laughs> but, I'm saying if they kept this format, he can go another ten, fifteen years if he wanted to. Yeah. Um, but that all that all that stuff looks really interesting. Right, because the way he looked against Styles, I was like, "Are you kidding me?" I'm like, "He's 55 years old. He looks like he's no older than 40." Mm. So, at 40, of course, he What's was my wife's name, AJ. How old am I? My Speaking legacy. Of that, AJ's back, but we'll touch on that later. He's back from the dead. <laughs> he's back from the dead. So what? He got buried. Let, but let's get into AEW, Sean. Yes, yeah, so a little bit that happened on AEW this week. We're not going to dive into all of it, but there is something. There are a few things we should touch on. The first thing, CJ, is we have our world title match at Double or Nothing, and as it was kind of a surprise to me. Me uh, too. John Moxley versus Brody Lee, aka Luke Harper, for the world heavyweight title at Double or Nothing. So, CJ, your instant reaction and your thoughts when they made that match official? Oh, I was excited. I was really excited. Um, I, I probably a spoiler for my prediction next week. I don't think Brody Lee's going to win. Um but knowing AEW, that here's the thing about being a wrestling fan for as long as we've been wrestling fans, I'm always in my mind, it's always in my mindset that if someone loses, I think something bad is going to happen. No, that's not the case because we're so used to WWE's main roster booking that we think if someone loses, then nothing's going to happen to them and they get buried on the way out. Um, I'm excited about this. Um, we've been wondering for a while who is Moxley going to defend the title against at Double or Nothing because we thought he was going to kind of continue the feud with Chris Jericho into Double or Nothing, but he's kind of feuded with he's kind of had the side feud with the with the inner circle. Um, I'm glad he's not dealing with the inner circle anymore because he can kind of move on to somebody else. That someone else being Brody Lee, I'm very excited because when he was in WWE as Luke Harper, I was he was one of those guys who was just very, very, very underrated. And I always thought he could be a really, really big help. You could, you could easily put him in a match against Taker at Mania. You could put him in the ring with anybody. And he it could a great match out of anyone. The first time I really got to see how good Luke Harper was, I was at a Monday Night Raw in Brooklyn before WrestleMania 30, and he faced John Cena, and that match was so great. It ended in a no contest, I believe, but Luke Harper was so damn good in that match. He was about two weeks before Mania 30. But going on from that, I mean, Brody Lee is great in the ring. I love that he's the leader of the Dark Order. I love the shots they took at Vince when him and those two other guys from the Dark Order were eating. Like, he was eating steak and the other guys couldn't eat. Did you see that segment? Yes, I did. Yeah, he's like, what are you doing? You don't eat unless I finish eating. Get out! He's in a suit eating steak. <laughs> and then someone sneezes. What are you doing? Get out of here! No sneezing in my press. Like, that's that's totally a, a jab at Vince McMahon. And I loved it. Um, and we've seen that these guys can go, you know, they've had matches in the Indies, they've had matches against each other in WWE, and a real interesting fact, I was re-watching WrestleMania 31 uh, a few nights ago, and I realized there are a good number of people in this match who are, who in that match were no longer with the company. Harper, Ambrose, Cody Rhodes, Wade Barrett. Four people out of that match were no longer with the company anymore. And that's what, that was what, a six, eight-man match? Six-man? Yeah, Harper, Ambrose, 
uh, Wade Barrett, Cody Cody Rhodes Stardust, Daniel Bryan, Dolph Ziggler, our truth. So seven guys. Seven. All right. So so four out of the uh, seven. Wait, Wade right. Barrett eight. Wait. So so half the field of that match is no longer with the company. Yeah. So That's just goes to sh- goes to show you. It's a great match too. But uh, I think Hart, uh, Lee and Moxley will have a great match, double or nothing. Um, and I'm just excited for it. But I know there's something else you want to talk about, Sean, is that the, the the rivalry between Cody Rhodes and Lance Archer has gotten extremely personal now. Yeah, and this is really a match that obviously we've anticipated ever since the end of Revolution, uh, the show after Revolution of Dynamite, where Jake Roberts came back and he said, I have somebody for you, uh, and we're coming for you, Cody. And then Lance Archer debuted the next week, and obviously, of course, that was... I the- loved how he debuted. Right. I and loved how he debuted. obviously, that was the last week of shows before... Uh, crowds were were told to stop coming in but but that was the show he debuted at so we knew ever since that show that this this they were on a collision course for this match and we had assumed when the tnt championship tournament was announced it was either these two were going to be in the finals or these two were just going to have a one-on-one match they'll get eliminated somehow uh but either way that these two are going to be on a collision course for most likely double or nothing and that happens now to be the case they're going to fight for the new uh tnt championship and this week they made the rivalry very personal. Uh, Britt Breaker, uh, DDT'd Brandy Rhodes, Cody's wife, uh, on the floor, threw her into the ring, and Jake brought the snake and put it right on Brandy. And Brandy sent on a tweet, I think right after that, saying, I forgot what the whole tweet was, but at the end she says, by the way, I'm not scared of snakes. So <laughs> it's personal now between Cody and Lance, and these two are going to be on a collision course for double or nothing. Uh, spoiler, I... I think Lance is going to win personally, but he has to. But he yeah. has to. But they've been they've been on a collision course for the last three months for this match. We're finally going to get it. I'm excited for the match personally. I am um, too. I love Lance Archer. Like I really started appreciating his work when I started seeing some of his stuff in New Japan, and the match he had with Moxley at Wrestle Kingdom this past year was fantastic. Right. Uh, and I cannot wait to see what him and Cody do. Uh, I, I really think him and Cody could possibly put on match of the night they easily couldn't that that to me i could see being double main event now, obviously the full card isn't announced yet obviously there there are matches that are starting to be announced uh now within the next couple of weeks so we're not really sure what the orders are going to be but they can easily be double main event i mean obviously the world title should be the main event of the show i think it will be um but it, it's interesting and another thing that interests me and i just realized is chris jericho is not on the double or nothing card yet where do you think they put him in this pay-per-view, if, if at all? Um, that's a good question. I mean, I feel like they have to put Jericho on the double or nothing card. It, it's just a matter of who they put him up against. Uh, I mean, they could put him up against Kenny Omega again. You know, they know that those two will have a good match. Um, they, I Personally, though, I think they're probably going to do Matt Hardy versus Chris Jericho. Right. I think they're probably going to do that. Where Kenny stands, well, I don't been, know. Been... What? What's that? Well, they've been setting that up ever since Matt Hardy came to AEW, too. So yeah, it'll if, probably if there's be announced, any time to really do it, it would be on the pay-per-view. It'll probably be in, be announced next week that on Dynamite that they're going to do Jericho versus Broken Matt Hardy, which I'd love to see that. Um, right, I would, too. It just it, um, it, it really sucks that like Hangman Page is stuck at home, Young Bucks are stuck at home. Um, there hasn't been like too much... Uh, tag wrestling as far as from the tag teams go. There's been some. 
Um, I mean, Kenny Omega's been having different partner. Well, different partners. He tagged with uh, Matt Hardy this week. I don't know if he tagged with anybody else recently. I can't remember, but I try. I'm sure they want to get Omega on the car. They want to get everybody, everybody who's available and who can come. Yeah, they'll they'll, they'll get anybody that's available. They'll get on, and I'm actually curious to see what they do with some of these stars. Like, does Hangman Page come for double or nothing? I don't think he will, but you know, you no, can only hope. I think he's stuck at home. Hope. Yeah, the Young Bucks are definitely stuck at home. They're in California. They ain't coming. So they're really going to use everybody. Like, I think they announced MJF Jungle Boy for double or nothing. So yeah. that and, match and, interests me a little bit. But and, and MJF. Point, yeah, they're, and MJF is like, I didn't sign on for that. Yeah. <laughs> but at this point, it is whoever's available at this point. I imagine we might we could see Brandy and Britt Baker at a double or nothing. Yeah. We could see that, too. Uh, I mean, I think AEW has been doing a very good job. I think AEW and NXT have been doing a very good job as far as doing with the empty arena shows. I like that AEW has people outside. I like that aspect. It gives a little, um, you know, differentiates the two. You know, I, I still like that there's some type of crowd interaction, even if it is just wrestlers or referees or whoever. I still right. like that a lot. You know, watching an empty sh- wrestling show is it's hard to watch, honestly. Well, but, that's why I really haven't been watching that much. I mean, I've been catching up with some of the clips on YouTube and things like that, but it's hard to watch these shows live. But you, you bring up that point, CJ. I need to give it up to the AEW roster for last week's show. Last week was the first time that they were live in a couple of months. Uh, they were live at Daily's Place last week. You could tell that they were live. They made sure that they said we were... They actually went publicly and said... We're back to being live tonight. So they weren't shying away. Like like WWE likes to say, oh, we're live. But we knew they weren't. No. AEW wasn't shying away from the idea that they were taped for the last two months. They said publicly, we are back. We are live. And I got to give that AEW roster credit because there were points in that show where I was, you know, going back in Eclipse. I thought that they were letting people in the building. They were that enthusiastic. They were that crazy. The street fight was awesome in some of the clips I saw. But they, that roster made it sound like that because there were rumors a couple of weeks ago that WWE and AEW were going to start allowing people into the building, obviously with restrictions, I think about 25% capacity, social distancing and all that. But they had me convinced that AEW started that on Wednesday night because of just how enthusiastic and how loud that they were during the matches, the entrances. I thought there were people there, CJ. So I got to give it up to the AEW roster for, for showing up and doing their part to make it as entertaining as possible. The two things that I saw from that street fight between the sex gods and Omega and Hardy, I saw like uh, Matt Hardy doing a jumping from the top of the ladder onto Chris Jericho onto a table, Sammy Guevara being absolutely completely run over. I, I just thought of that scene from well, Friday. They, they ran over Chris Jericho too, but Sammy Guevara took, took an even worse, you know, uh, he, he was running just... away and he literally like got his freaking neck taken out. I'm waiting for whoever runs the AEW social media accounts for that scene from Friday where we're like, yeah, you just got knocked the fuck out. Either that or the, uh, the dancing funeral meme, one or the other. <laughs> Actually, they're going to do that. <laughs> they're going to do already, that instead. They already did it with a Brody Lee kick. They did that with a Brody Lee kick last week. Oh my, yeah, with Marco Stunt. Oh my God. Yeah, they got to do that. They got to do the funeral guys oh. for Sammy Kapoor. <laughs> 
all the comments on that on that post were whoever's running the social media deserves a raise. Absolutely, they do. They absolutely deserve a raise. Oh my god! But um, I but think yeah, that I, I, double or nothing should be a lot of fun. I mean, I liked WrestleMania this year with what they did. Um, I think I think AEW will will take that and make it even better. I agree. There are ways to be creative with this, CJ. And, and if WrestleMania didn't teach you that, and, and listen again, WrestleMania 36 wasn't the greatest WrestleMania of all time. I don't think it would have been the greatest WrestleMania of all time if it was live no. at Raymond James. But but it was very did, interesting. Yes, they did what they could to be creative. They split it up in two nights because eight hours straight of empty arena wrestling is just too much. I mean, we were we were there last year, CJ. Eight hours of 85,000 people in the building is too much, let alone nobody. So mm-hmm. they... They were creative with splitting it up. They were creative with some of the matches they had, like the the Firefly Funhouse match and the Boneyard match. They were creative with the format. Um, the right people for the majority won. You know, obviously Braun Strowman was the right guy to go over. Go- I mean, anybody going over Goldberg is the right decision. Drew McIntyre over Lesnar was the right way to go. Even though Goldberg versus Funaki. Funaki wins. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Goldberg versus. Uh, Oh, Gilbert, Drake Gilbert. Maverick, Drake Maverick wins, and I love Drake Maverick now. By the <laughs> way, so they better keep him. But that's uh, another story. For another he might, he that's might, another. he might keep his job after the work he's doing. Yeah, there's some controversy I, with that though. That that's an entire podcast for another day. But, yeah, Drake Maverick. Exactly. What a stud. Anyway, no pun intended. <laughs> <but>. <laughs> Actually, all pun intended. But anyway. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I do expect Double or Nothing to be a good show. I expect them to be very creative. I mean, they're being creative with some of the matches already. Um, we're getting some matches that we anticipated for the last couple of months. Brody Lee versus John Moxley is a surprise in itself, but like you, I'm excited for it. I can't um, wait. And again, I mean, it's just it's one of those things where it's like we have something. I mean, and I was talking to you off mic with this CJ. The NFL released their schedules yesterday. The NFL said that they plan on starting as scheduled. The NFL said they plan on having fans in the building safely, restrictions. We don't know how yet, but they plan on it. And they plan on going on as as scheduled. And and I worked the draft at my job a couple of weeks ago, and it was it was a nice change of scenery and kind of like with wrestling, where they're giving us something and they're giving us something that matters now. And I think wrestling has been doing that for the last couple of months. So I applaud WWE and AEW for what they've been trying to do, what they've been able to do. Um, and just, you know, making sure that we have something so we don't go too crazy without anything. Yeah, very true. It's rough to watch some of these shows, but at least they're there, you know? Like, because if wrestling wasn't going on, I think I'd be going nuts. Cause, I think it'd be curled up in a ball. I mean, because for, for me, if anybody knows me, I love I love pro wrestling. I've loved it ever since I was a little kid, and it's a it's big part of my personality because I love talking about it so much so much that we had that we started this podcast like which in the summer will be two years from now that since we started it just a, yeah, just two a, years this summer just just a drunk conversation we're talking about wrestling and I'm like dude we should we should just do a podcast and you're like I we should do a wrestling podcast you're like I got equipment let's do it I got the equipment upstairs <laughs> and then the two weeks later we did it yeah <laughs> but uh, I was sober I promise <laughs> um, but anyway, so I, I I really think we touched on as much AEW as we could. Again, we'll touch on a lot more of it next week. We'll have predictions for the show next week. Why don't we touch into a little bit of WWE? I want to talk about NXT a little bit. Um, yes. Not John- too much that happened on NXT, but a few 
big things happen on NXT. CJ, why don't there, you start them off here? There are a few things that happen on NXT that I really want to talk about. For one, I did get to watch a little bit of NXT the f- previous week. Mainly, I just I went back to watch Candice LeRae's match. Candice LeRae is I'm loving her new entrance, uh, her new theme song. Uh, she's got a devastating finisher now where she just takes the arm, ba- the arms of her opponent from the back, stomps her foot in the back of the head, their f- head goes planted into the mat, and they w- and that's her new finisher. The I dev- thought I saw that, yeah. Devastating. Like she beat Casey Catanzaro this week. Did you hear and- what Johnny Gargano said in her entrance? Yes, was, like, I was just going to say. Is he, he said res- like she's got a devastating right foot that's a nice substitute for birth control. <laughs> I can't remember what he said, like, currently residing uh something california whatever uh from from california but currently residing in my heart my favorite wrestler candice LeRae. i'm like oh this is gonna be great i mean during the champa gargano thing with johnny as the heel it kind of didn't make too much sense i felt like it may have been a little bit hot shotted so they could get that one last match for takeover tampa um but Gargano and Candice as a heel power couple, I'm so excited for. It makes sense uh, now. It makes sense now. W- w- with Champa out of the way, it makes it makes total sense now. Um, Gargano, again, I, I have to keep I have to keep reiterating that rivalry is not over yet. Yeah, I think they're just going to wait a long time to get it back together. It, we will, but it, they, they're going to renew it. They're going to yeah. re- they have to. It did not end the. I mean, it ended the right way for the timing, as long as it's not necessarily over. If that was the end, I'm gonna be pissed. But I don't think it is. I think That's it's a. I, I think it's so a fine. I think it's a fine way to end it for a very, very long time. I just, I just don't right. think it's. I just don't That's, believe it's the end. Point. Like, that's my point. Like, if we go years and years and we realize that they're never going to wrestle again, like, that's going to be like a sour taste. But for now, I don't think it's a sour taste if it's the end. I mean, if it's the end, it's the end. I don't know. I, I think, I think we need a, I think we need a fair winner, and I think we need it in like. A stadium with twenty five thousand people, but that's just my opinion. Hey man, some is- some stories don't end, don't have a happy ending. Look at Jericho and Shawn Michaels. Right. That's that's a good point. Anyway, what was your point? Oh, I'm, I'm just saying. I didn't know if you were still talking. You've been coming no. in and out, bit, no. but I'm still able to grasp what you're saying. I mean, my point of the whole thing was like, if this isn't necessarily the end, then I love it. I'm not going to love it as much if I know what it is, that it is. That's just my point. Okay. But anyway, Candice LeRae, new finisher, new theme song, new look. Love it. I've always loved Candice LeRae, and I'm excited to she see what she... She doesn't look like a child anymore, which is nice. <laughs> I never minded her look before. I've just always loved Candice LeRae. I'm not saying I did, but I'm like, when, when she came out, I was just like kind of like you. I was just like, wow. I'm like, this could be something I can get used to. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for this. Um, and Johnny Gargano... New theme song, new look, new gear. I'm like, oh, yes, a, a proper heel, Johnny Gargano. Because we got a taste of that a while ago. But now he's fully into him being a heel. He's fully right. into being a heel. And I can't wait for this. He's got a new theme song. Uh, he, which, like, with the, the lady singing the, oh, like, it sounds like immediately when I heard that, I'm like his theme song sounds like out of something out of Kingdom Hearts, and I love it so much. Yes. I'm a big fan of Kingdom the Kingdom Hearts video games. So Gargano and Candice, I can't wait to see what they do. They're like the the new power couple in NXT. That is until we had we had this 
epic entrance of Killer Cross, I don't know his his new first name, and Scarlet Bordeaux. I caught a glimpse of this, and this just seemed like something out of a movie, like a video game. Just it was something incredible. Or like I was watching like a concert or something. It was it's hard to describe from the brief clip that I saw. But they are fully behind Killer Cross and Scarlet Bordeaux. I'm glad I'm glad that they're using them together because they have been used together in the past, I think on Impact. And they are real life husband and wife. So I'm really excited for this. I'm excited to see where they go and probably Killer Cross is probably gonna have a match with Champa down the line. And um and if and if Champa puts over Killer Cross, it's not gonna hurt him. I mean Champa's made. So Killer Cross getting the big victory over a guy like Champa would be do great things for his career. Um, Ayo Shirai faced Charlotte Flair this week for the NXT Women's title. After the match, uh, I think Charlotte started to attack Io, and Rhea Ripley made yeah, the save. Yeah, so it looks like they're probably going to be setting up uh, Ripley versus Flair in the future. And we talked a little bit off mic about this, um, just speculating. You think that it'll more likely. If it happens SummerSlam weekend, then you think it'll happen on TakeOver, and I think it'll happen on SummerSlam. Right. I mean, I think it's going to happen on TakeOver only because the first match, and I, and I get where you're going to get with on your point, how it was in front of no fans, but it still happened at WrestleMania, and you know you got a Charlotte Flair that hasn't been on a TakeOver in a match in well over five years. I think this would be very special for her to do that. Um and if we get a live crowd, we're going to get a live crowd regardless. What SummerSlam or TakeOver, there's going to be a crowd in the Boston Garden or the TD Garden that's there. Um, so I don't really think it matters where it happens, but I think it will be a TakeOver mainly because the last time was at WrestleMania. And I think this time, if it's going to be an epic rematch and if it's as good as the first one, I think they want that on NXT. So I'm going to say it's going to be on TakeOver. My reasoning for me thinking it's going to be on SummerSlam is because for one, Charlotte shows up on Raw still. She may be the NXT Women's Champion, but she still shows up on Raw. And she shows up on NXT. But also, at Raw and NXT are kind of in the same, are more or less in the same building. But I also think that she would have done that anyway. I think she would have shown up on Raw and Smack, uh, Raw, SmackDown and NXT, regardless if this pandemic was happening or not. I think it'll happen on SummerSlam because... Yes, it happened at Mania, but they aren't. They it really wasn't in front of a crowd. I think SummerSlam they want to do it because again, I still think they have high stock in Rhea Ripley. They want to promote the NXT brand more, and what better way to do that than a big pay per view like some? This arguably the second biggest pay per view of the year. You get Charlotte Flair, who's a big main roster star. You have Rhea Ripley, who's star on the rise. Who I've said, I think she's going to be the big. The biggest star in very very shortly in a few like less than a year to come. Um, you have her and Charlotte have this match at SummerSlam. Hopefully, beats Charlotte this time and solidifies herself as the top woman. And it'll make people want to watch NXT. And I think it. And I've made my claim about how I think Charlotte having the NXT Women's Championship is more of a good thing than a bad thing. But I just think the bigger show. They'll have more uh, fans watching because even though NXT is great and it's the better product, a lot of people still don't watch NXT. So I think it's a good way to try and get people to to tune in. 
NXT if it's on SummerSlam. All right, that's fair. I mean, at the same time, there's also... I, I think it'll it'll happen with that way regardless, getting more people to watch on NXT, whether it's at TakeOver or it's at SummerSlam, but I see your point. Um, she does still wrestle on the main roster, uh, even though they... I remember they said that she was going to mainly be on NXT, but like you said, she's still showing up on Raw. She still would have shown up on SmackDown if she was the SmackDown star, I, I would assume. But it is interesting, and it, it is going to be interesting if they even have a TakeOver or a SummerSlam in Boston as scheduled. As of right now, nothing's changed. Um, all of that is at the end of August. I know Vince and Triple H are holding out hope that those shows are going to happen. Um, will they be sold out to 20,000 people? Probably not. Um could I see 10,000, 9,000 people in the building? I, I could, because that's something Vince would do and push for. And Massachusetts, correct me if I'm wrong, is, I think, one of the safer states in the United States right now. Um, I could be totally wrong when I say that. Um, so I'm not I'm sure, not to be saying, honest. Yeah, I'm not saying that with fact, but I I, I'm, I want to say that they're one of the safer states. They're not New York and New Jersey, for Christ's sakes. And we were talking about Dynamite on July 22nd, and Newark is probably being pushed back again, which is unfortunate, but... You know, it's one of those things that we just have to be ready and take one day at a time for. So who knows if these shows even happen in Boston? I hope they do. I hope so. I hope so, too. I hope things get better by then, but we don't know at this point. Um, Speaking of the virus, there's something that you brought up before about Roman Reigns and WWE just trying to write his ass off TV, write his ass out. As if he never existed. And it's bothering me. Um, And it really started to bother me in that. Uh, package that I believe they showed on Raw of Seth they Rollins cash, of cashing in at WrestleMania 31. And, and for no, for anybody that hasn't seen it, this is how it happened. Seth Rollins gets into the ring, cash in money in the bank, curb stomps Brock Lesnar. Screen goes black. One, two, three. Seth is the champion. Here's the problem for people who don't know what really happened in that match or don't remember what happened in that match. Or maybe you're a new fan and don't know what happened in that match. He didn't pin Brock Lesnar. He pinned Roman Reigns. They edited Roman Reigns out of the footage of WrestleMania 31's main event because Vince is bothered that Roman went home. And TMZ actually released some quotes from Roman Reigns earlier today or yesterday. Roman Reigns did not leave for his own health. He said his immune system is fine. He said the drugs that he's taking to fight off his leukemia uh, do not affect his immune system, but he is fine. He left because he just had two newborn kids. He just had twins. His wife had him eight weeks ago. Um, and he doesn't want to put his family in danger, which, again, is still a decision that I gratefully respect, and I applaud him for leaving for those decisions because, you know, who are you to bring home the virus and get your two newborns sick? Mm-hmm. So I still applaud Roman Reigns, despite it being for a different situation than we had originally thought. Well, for Vince McMahon to be writing him off like he never even existed. He was supposed it, it's it's one thing if like he was just a regular superstar. He was supposed to main event WrestleMania, CJ, and now we're writing him off like he never even was in the company. He was never even a person. But that's that, the, thi- that, the that thing. That bugs me. It do- it bugs me too. But it's the thing of like you know both AEW and Vin- and WWE have both said that if you don't want to come to work uh, during this time, you know there's nothing's gonna be held against you. You're not gonna lose your job. You're not gonna lose your push. Blah blah blah. This and that. You know you picked up where you left off when you come back. Whatever the case may be, I could be paraphrasing, but sure it may seem like that, but it doesn't seem like that for Roman Reigns because. You have to imagine if Vince wasn't mad at Roman, if he wasn't so, if to claim that he's not, 
he wouldn't be doing this. They wouldn't right. he they wouldn't be telling the editing team you're going to make a video package for Seth for Monday, but you have to make sure that Roman Reigns isn't in the video package. Like it's not like the edited team just went like, "Okay, I'm going to take Roman out of here." He, they have to get instruction to say Roman can't be in the video footage. And right. there's been instruction to not mention Roman Reigns on TV at all. Like what does that tell you? They and, don't and, 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 they don't want to mention and, him. And in that video package, CJ, when anybody that understands what that main event was knows that Roman Reigns was involved in the finish and they black out the finish, what else are you telling us? Yeah. I, I mean, it just it just goes to show right then and there. If you if there was any indication or any doubt that Roman Reigns was actively trying to be like, you know, rewritten from their history, there's no doubt anymore. It's ridiculous. You know, you know what's funny too, and I just I just thought of this. They are giving Chris Benoit more respect on the WWE Network documentaries that have been released recently than Roman Reigns recently. When Randy what? Orton won his first when Randy Orton won his first world title, SummerSlam two thousand four, they show you the finish. Hell, at some points they show you the RKO to Benoit. They don't show his face, but it's clearly him right there. They show the finishes. Now obviously that's all they show. But they've been showing him a little more respect than Roman Reigns recently. I know that sounds like a hot take, but like, I mean, come on. If there's anything that you should black out from anything, it's that. Am I right? I mean, the guy who killed his wife and child, yeah. I mean, that's that's a I guy mean, you should that's a definitely a guy who you should be blackballing from your history, not a guy who left during a global pandemic so he can make sure that his family is safe and that his two newborn children aren't don't get infected with very, very, Somebody like, who, you know, they don't, they don't, their immune system haven't been built yet. Right. It's a, somebody who almost ruined pro wrestling as a whole is shown on WWE programming more recently than Roman Reigns. Uh, it's just ridiculous. That's it's, ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And Roman Reigns should be treated with more respect than this. I, mean, I agree. A, a guy who Vince, Cl who lo apparently loves so much and all of a sudden he makes a decision for himself and his family and he's he's got to have like some type of heat or whatever. Again, it's we mentioned this before that it's okay to get into the real world of things. They've briefly touched on it. Why can't you explain things about Roman Reigns? Like that's I remember a while ago they had an explanation for something. Oh yeah, I mean like Pete Dunne being stuck in the UK. And Timothy Thatcher is Matt Riddle's current tag team partner for the time being. You can explain, okay, you explain Pete Dunne, and you explain that he's stuck in the UK due, due to the global pandemic, and you don't want to explain why Roman Reigns is not on TV? Uh, I think that's a bullshit excuse. I don't even want the full reasoning of Roman Reigns. I mean, we all know it. It's all public knowledge. But yeah. WWE can even say due to, due to you know, recent events going on around the world, Roman Reigns is out indefinitely. All they got to do is say that. That's fine. Yeah, that's pretty much it. And that's what they did with with Dunn. Is pretty much he's stuck in the UK and he can't come back. Right. Like, you don't have to blatantly say Roman Reigns is out indefinitely due to the, the health and well-being of himself and his newborn children due to the coronavirus pandemic. All you got to say is Roman Reigns is out indefinitely due to, due to recent events in our world. Period. Yeah, that's it. That's, that's all. Fine. And we can put two and two together. Jesus Christ. It's not difficult. 
Well, it we're is not for stupid. It, it is for it is for WWE apparently. Well, it is for them, but I mean, for us, we're not stupid. Social media is a thing. We watch the news all the time. Hell, the news is the only thing we can watch, and it and it's getting really annoying now. But yeah, I try not to watch it so much. together. Yeah, my my mom actually decided that she was going to turn the news off at dinner now because we just keep fighting. Um, so she was like, "No more news at dinner," and I was like, "I I Good. guess I agree with that." Good. But anyway, no, no fighting that's at home. But let's get more back into the fun of this podcast. Yes. Let's get into our top 10 list. Okay, let's do that. What is for our top 10 this week, CJ? This week, we are doing top 10 Money in the Bank cash-ins. I remember texting you about this uh, when we were making our NXT list. Uh, wrestlers never should have, messed, uh, bleh, never should have left NXT. Um, again, like Sean mentioned earlier, we have not seen what these lists are. Probably going to be similar. And probably going to be some stuff. Uh, I mean, diff- there weren't that many Money in the Bank cash-ins after 10, so but I'd assume our list would be very similar. There's there's plenty of cash-ins. I was looking, at, I was looking up like all well, the cash-ins. How cash- many cash-ins were there total? Okay, so let me see here. Two. Successful cash-ins. Successful? Successful. Oh, Jesus. Hang on. Two, four, six, uh, eight, uh, eight, ten, twelve... 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. There's been 20 successful cash-ins. All right, right, so that was more than I thought. Anyway, so we narrowed it down to 10. But yes, uh, like CJ said, we have not seen our lists. We assume they're going to be a little similar to each other. I don't think they'll be in the exact orders. Who knows? Um, That's the reason that we kind of kept it a secret from each other. Um, So without a doubt, CJ, uh, I will let you start. Top 10 Money in the Bank cash-ins. Who is number 10 and why? Okay, so this took me a while to try and figure out number 10. There's a few people I would have put in there, but for number 10, I went with The Miz. Okay. So this one I remember watching on TV. I was kind of getting back into wrestling, but I kind of wasn't. There wasn't really anything that really keeping me to hang on. The one, I mean, the person who did bring me back fully was Punk, but his cash in, um, it's one that generated a lot of heat. People really, really couldn't stand the Miz at this time, and you can argue Miz wasn't ready for the title at this point. I mean, he was kind of used as a as like a, a person to that main event of WrestleMania was used as like to get over the following years WrestleMania. Um, but anyway, I use this because mainly the main point of this was that we got one of the best crowd shots. Ever in history. We got Angry Miz Girl. Right. That angry little girl who's so pissed off at the Miz on the title. Um it was one of those one of those cash-ins that people just like really genuinely could not stand. They hated the Miz. They did not want him to cash in, hated the fact that he won money in the bank, and everyone was just draining the fact, like, oh God, this guy could be WWE champion at some point. And he did. And Granted, his reign wasn't great, but I think the initial cash-in was solid and it was great heel heat apart from The Miz. And again, my main reasoning for putting this on, in the list is because of Angry Miz Girl. That's that's my main reason. <laughs> Miz is on my list too. Uh, not at 10, but but you're going to hear in a, you're going to hear him soon. Uh, but another good reason for that CJ is when we see these money in the bank cash-ins, you normally you're excited. No matter who it really is, you're like, we're going to see a cash-in. This is going to be cool. And normally, even if it's a heel, you hear kind of that mixed reaction because it's a cash-in and it's special. Yeah. No one in the building was rooting for The Miz that night. 
No, nah, and that's he, what set it apart. It's very only, different. And, sorry, the only people rooting for the Miz that night was the Miz, Alex Riley, and Michael Cole. Yes. Um, so that's that's a main reason he made my list. I'm going to spoil it. He's my number nine. Um, so I'm going to talk a little bit in debt in a second. But my number 10 is Kane um, in 2010. And there's one single reason I had to put him on oh, this list. It's a good one. First time ever, Money in the Bank was won and cashed in on the same night. I think that deserves a little bit of props. Um, and at the same time, I think it gave Kane a push that he had been needing for a while. Obviously, he didn't need it. Uh, but he had a good rivalry with Rey Mysterio. He had a decent rivalry with The Undertaker. His Edge storyline was pretty good. Um, didn't really have much after that. But, you know, it, it, in a little bit of a late time in Kane's career, I think it was interesting that they put the world title on him. I think it was cool that he was the first one to cash in on the same night that he won it. I think it wasn't even an hour after he won the Money in the Bank that he cashed in. It was in. like 40 minutes he held the briefcase. It was briefcase. like 40 minutes. I think it was the shortest time, actually. Yeah, the um, shortest time someone so, held the briefcase. And right. that led to a, a legitimate world title reign for Kane, which I was happy right. about. Unlike the one in 1998 that lasted not even 24 hours against Stone yeah. Cold. So he held the title for was, a day. This was a nice notch for somebody who's a nice hard worker like Kane. So I had to put him on this list. Uh, nothing lower than 10, of course, but I have him at number 10 mainly for that reason. Hmm. So, CJ, your number nine cash in and why? My number nine is Alexa Bliss. Okay. Spoiler, she's the only female on my list. She's I think the only female on my list, too. Okay. I think Alexa Bliss's cash in is the best cash in from a female. Um, Carmella's was was good because it was the first one, you know. I thought that was a great moment. The night after main, uh, two nights after Mania, the Iconics debuted that night. Uh, a main reason why Carmella didn't make my list is because of Mike Chioda. Like he kept asking her a bunch of times, "Are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure?" She's like, "Yes, God." I'm like, I'm like, Chioda, you have been doing these cash-ins for 15 years. Don't you know what a cat? Like well, I was, you gotta, you gotta remember too. I don't mean to cut you off, but Carmella tried to cash in at least three different times before she actually did it. It's so. tr it's true, but it was just, it took me out of the moment a little bit. I mean, okay, yes, she was right. the she was the first one to win Money in the Bank. She was the first one to cash in uh, Women's Money in the Bank, and I liked it. But uh, Alexa Bliss was just so much better. Right. Correct me if I'm wrong. Was Rousey and Nia Jax the main event of that pay per view, or no? They were not. They oh, okay. were, I think, double or third to last. Main event that night was, I believe, the men's Money in the Bank ladder match, which in 2018 was, the winner was Corbin, I want to say. No, not Corbin. No. Um, no, 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 no. Corbin won That was 2017. 20, Strom Strom Strowman, yeah. yeah. So okay. forgettable. So yeah. Forget but yeah, that was the main event that, that night. But, but yeah, like I love this cash-in because... <laughs> you know, it's Nia Jax versus Ronda Rousey. Like they're actually having a pretty good match. Alexa Bliss comes in, just whacks. Uh, what was it? She whacked Ronda with a briefcase. She whacked Ronda, so Ronda won the match by DQ. Yeah, yeah. Took took out. Took this this little little person of Alexa Bliss took out Ronda Rousey, this legitimate badass. And then she's whacking her with a briefcase and whacks Nia with a briefcase. Hits a twisted Bliss. Wins the championship. I thought it was absolutely the whole moment of it was awesome, and it truly showed this from WWE. If you're a bully, you will always prosper because the storyline was Nia Jax versus Alexa Bliss, and Alexa Bliss was supposed to be the bad guy. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I I love this cash in because 
it was the first of a female to kind of like do that. But I think they just wanted to get the belt off of Naya because Naya wasn't really doing well as she champion. She wasn't the champion they thought she was going to be. She wasn't doing well as champion. She had a very forgettable championship run. I think the main thing was, all right, just get it back on Bliss, and Bliss is a better champion anyway. So, right. I mean, the, the moment when she won at Mania was very nice, very special. She got a nice pop that night, but that was about it. Yeah. Um, Alexa Bliss is also on my list. I'll get to her a little bit later. And also, I'm spoiling your picks, man. Yeah. She's the first woman to cash in on the same night as well. So she's the first woman out of the three to do that. Um, so my number nine, as I said before, is The Miz. Um, and the main reason for that, too, is he had a very different type of cash-in. As I mentioned before, when you see a bunch of Money in the Bank cash-ins, even with a heel, you see a lot of mixed reactions because a cash-in is special. CJ, I'm sure we're both going to have Dolph Ziggler very high on our list, but you were there that night when he cashed in. Describe real quickly the electricity in the IZOD Center that night. Can I talk about this later? <laughs> okay, well, just give me a word then. Just give me one word to describe it then. Excitement. Okay. So that, that's, I, I that's will get into that later. Right, but that's my point. Like when you're in the building to see a cash in, it's special. But when the Miz cashed in on Randy Orton in 2010, the night after Survivor Series, there was not one person in the building that wanted that man to win the championship. Randy Orton just came off a grueling match against Wade Barrett. He he had a leg injury, obviously kayfabe. And then you hear, awesome, and you just see Randy Orton's face going, son of a bitch. And then the Miz <laughs> That's what everybody down. said. And yes, like Q Jim Ross, oh, son of a bitch. Like... <laughs> But that was the thing that night, and that was the one time really that that type of atmosphere was there for a cash-in. Any other time for a heel, it was a mixed reaction. You heard a little bit of cheering. There was not one man in that building cheering for The Miz that night, except for Alex Riley and Michael Cole. Otherwise, the fans didn't—they they, they wanted that man to lose the, the money in the bank. They so wanted, they they wanted Miz to be the first one to cash in and lose. Yeah. And that was one of those first times, too— you know, besides, you know, RVD and One Night Stand, where you had one of those longer Money in the Bank cash-in matches. Um, it wasn't like a 30-second thing either. It was like a 10-minute match. So there were times where you were like, The Miz might not win this match. Oh, my God, Randy Orton might beat him. And then in the end, The Miz ends up winning, and everyone goes home crying. Um, so that's the main reason The Miz made my list. Again, like you said, it wasn't a, a totally memorable championship run. I would love to have him have another one. Uh, but it was mainly obviously, now he should, and that, yeah. And that WrestleMania main event, obviously, as we know, was to set up The Rock and John Cena. But that's why the Miz made my list. He's my number nine. So CJ, your number eight cash in, and why? Daniel Bryan. My number eight nice. is Daniel Daniel Bryan because his cash in was very. Um, it was more unique than most cash ins. I mean, yes, he did it on an opponent on a you know opponent who was knocked out, but his was just funny. Like, he comes right. in, like, Mark Henry had just beaten the Big Show in, I think, a chairs match. <laughs> this no, is when... what happened was the, the Big Show beat Mark Henry in a chairs match, won the world title, and that's then Mark I mean. Henry assaulted him afterwards. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, a Big Show beat Mark Henry. And Big Show held the world title for, like, 15 seconds, and he didn't even get to hold the world title. Like... <laughs> It was just so funny. Brian comes in. He just goes over and pins Big Show. One, two, three. And Big Show kicked out at three. And he's like, what, what, what happened? What? Like, <laughs> and then Brian just cannot believe what just happened. And that's when the yes chance starts. He's like, yes, yes. Like he's just being uh, 
he started his arrogant heel run was starting to happen there. Um, it was I I it was a good cash in. It led to the heel Daniel Bryan with the world title. Um, it was at a time where we saw CM Punk and Daniel Bryan both as world champion, world champions in WWE. Which, if you were in, a fan of their work in Ring of Honor in the Indies, like you are just marking out right now that they're holding the two top titles in WWE. Um, and it was just a, for me, it was just a funny cash in. It was right. it, it just it, it's unique. It's funny to see how Big Show's like. Ugh. And Brian's just losing his <laughs> shit. Um, that that's just that's really losing it too. That's that's what really made the the cash in for me was Big Show looking so confused, so <laughs> did, stupid. Uh, but no, but the cash in was great. It was it was great for Daniel Bryan. I was happy because I wasn't at the time. I wasn't sure if they were gonna actually have cash uh, cash in and win. But um, right. but I, but I put Brian on there. It's not like the most amazing cash in, but it's 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 good. It's solid. It's it's one of the few where a babyface wins it. And and it was and in the moment it was just good. Again, I, I just mainly makes my list because Big Show just being completely stupid. Like, what happened? <laughs> it, it was a good cash in. It, it didn't make my list though. Um, it almost did uh, at number eight as well. But there was another unique cash in that made my list at number eight. Was yours? Rob Van Dam, two thousand six, one night stand. Wow, the that's reason really for, low. For, the reason for this one is, it was it, like I said, it was. Besides like those normal, I'm cashing in on a weak opponent and we're going to have a 10, 15 minute match. And this was the first time where it was like, I'm going to announce when I'm cashing in. You're going to know when it's going to happen and I'm going to beat you. Rob Van Dam, John Cena, One Night Stand, 2006. Um, maybe this should have been a little lower on my list, but there, there are other ones that I think were a little more deserving for the situations that they were in. But it, it, trust me, if we made this list 10 years ago, it would have been number one. But Rob Van Dam... One Night Stand has the whole Hammerstein ballroom, you know, rooting for him. Everybody wants a piece of John Cena's head that night. Like, there was, like, I, if you go back and watch some of those documentaries, there were people actually outside the Hammerstein ballroom after the show wanting to get a piece of John Cena. It was that bad. There was not one person in the building that night for John Cena. They had this insane Extreme Rules match. Uh, Edge comes in and interferes at the end. Rob Van Dam finally wins the world championship. Um, in front of a raucous crowd, the whole ECW locker room comes out and cheers afterwards. And it was really the one time CJ besides the one night stand the year before where it felt like an ECW event and it was ECW versus WWE. And the whole card was pretty decent. And for that to have been the main event of that show and for RVD to successfully cash in the briefcase in a real match for the first time, I thought that was very special and that deserved a spot on this list. I wish I could have put him a little higher. Um, I will have reasonings as to why I didn't later, but he makes my list at number eight. I put him in my list and he's sorry to spoil it, but he's much higher. He is way higher in my list. That's a great moment. One of the best cash ins ever. Um, moving on to my number seven, right? Yep. Yeah. Seven. My number seven is edge in 2007. The cash in on the end. 2007 oh, on, the Undertaker, on the Undertaker, where he beat Kennedy for the briefcase. Kennedy not never never got to cash in. Um, I remember watching this uh, main event of SmackDown. I also remember WWE spoiling this main event of SmackDown. I'm just like, why would you do that? <laughs> How'd they do that? They well, at the time SmackDown was taped. Right, it was taped on Tuesdays. And I was watching it. And I'm just like, no, no, why they do that? And I was pissed off, young kid. Batista and Undertaker have this awesome steel cage match. They both 
get out of the escape the cage and both land at the same time. So Taker retains the tie. Mark Henry returns. In that moment, Mark in that moment, Mark Henry returns, takes Undertaker out of commission. Edge comes in. He was on Raw originally, comes to SmackDown, cashes in the his money to make contract on Undertaker. Undertaker is is bloodied up. He's been beaten. He's been this all this grueling steel cage match against Batista. He had just got the shit kicked out of him by Mark Henry. And now Edge is trying to win the world title off of him. Comes in. I think he spears him a few times. Taker kicked out maybe once or twice. Edge finally spears him. And just and I will say like JBL and Michael Cole were really on point of commentary this time. Just the great just this is like one of the few moments of Michael Cole's commentary I actually really enjoyed where right. he's like, Not this way. Damn it. Just you felt the hate from Edge. Just the pure hate that he that Undertaker's world champion and you and this this scumbag just came in and did it again and he wins the world title. Like that iconic shot where he has the world title in his hand and the briefcase. And right. strangely, this is when I kind of started to like Edge. <laughs> like for the most part, people hated him for a long time around this time, but this is when I started to like him. Um and I just remember watching that as a kid, watching that cash in. It was a, just a, overall, like from the from the steel cage match all the way to the cash in. It just made a great main event segment of SmackDown. Back when like SmackDown was just so good, almost every week there's a great there's a great episode, not a bad episode ever. Um, and Edge being synonymous with with making the money bank briefcase what it is today, and his second cash in makes my list. Um, and I. It's it's just a great moment, honestly, and it's it's what propelled Edge to be like the greatest world heavyweight champion of all time. That's an interesting point. It it doesn't make my list for the same reasons for you because in '07 I wasn't really watching, so I didn't have that personal feeling like you. Edge '06 does, and obviously much higher on my list, so I'll get to that later. Uh, but my number seven, this is where I have Alexa Bliss. Um, and for a lot of the same reasons that you do, obviously the, the cash in itself was just unbelievable. I remember watching it live. I remember I was watching the Ronda Rousey Nijax match. And at that point when Ronda was threatening to break Nia's arm, I was like, you're about to put the title on Ronda. I don't know, man. I mean, the match was good, but it's a little too soon. And all of a sudden Alexa bliss comes in, saves the day. And, um, and the Chicago crowd was hot that night. Like they were ready for this. Like, and like you said, the Nia title reign wasn't exactly too memorable. The, the pop she got at Mania was nice, but that was really all that she got. It That was really the the peak of the entire title reign was right as it happened. So I was kind of over her being champion to begin with, so this was a nice change of scenery. It, it propelled the Ronda-Alexa feud, which was decent, um, and it propelled, you know, and like you said too, and just going off this, you you beat the crap out of a legit badass with a briefcase. Like, who does that? <laughs> So I, it, to me, and also, like I said before, the first woman to successfully win and cash in on the same night, there were only three winners up until we'll have the fourth on Sunday. And she was the first one to do it all in one night. Bailey, of course, did it again the next year. Um, but that's the reason that Alexa Bliss makes my list at number seven. So CJ, we're narrowing it down now. You're number six cash in and why? My number six cash in. CM Punk in 2008. Ooh. So okay. this was another one I watched live for. Some people may like his 
cash in on Jeff Hardy better. I like this better. I was watching them. I had to watch the back. I watched this one too live. I watched them. I watched them back, and I had to think to myself, this one was better. Sure, the the cash in on Jeff led to better things, and his first world title reign wasn't. They they didn't treat him like a top guy with the title, but the initial that's what I try and think about the initial cash ins themselves. This was. You know, it comes full circle for Edge. It's kind of funny because I have them back to back. Where Edge had cashed in on The Undertaker for the world title. The following year, the draft happens. And Edge is on Raw. He screwed Batista out of the world title thanks to him and La Familia. You know, I hated La Familia so much. And Raw has no world championship. Edge came to gloat. He's like... I'm just here to say, to laugh in your face. Because now SmackDown has two world championships and Raw has zero. Batista comes out. He's the newest addition to Monday Night Raw. He just beats the crap out of Edge, throwing him around the ring. Batista bombs him, leaves the ring. Here comes CM Punk, waiting for waiting for Punk, uh, for Edge to get up. And then... Bell rings. He picks some edge up on his shoulders. GTS, one, two, three. We just kicked off Monday Night Raw with a cash-in, and CM Punk is the world heavyweight champion. Right. I lost my mind watching this when I was a kid. Just something I wasn't sure that could ever happen. CM Punk actually being on Raw and CM Punk actually winning the world title. It was great. It was a great moment, and it's it's Edge getting his comeuppets. You know, him you know, cashing in all the time. And now he finally got the cash in on, he had a cash in on him. So it was a great moment. I think it's punks. I think this one personally is better than the Jeff Hardy cash in. Um, he, the, the crowd, when the, when he came out, the crowd didn't necessarily pop. They were confused to what was happening, but then they realized, Oh wait, he has the money in the bank briefcase. It wasn't until like he got in the ring. Everyone's like, Oh wait, we're going to yeah. cash in. We're getting a cash in. And then like, the reaction was, like, was pop. Like they didn't really start going insane until he hit the ring. Yeah. They're like, Oh, wait a second. Yeah. Cause I think they kind of forgot he had the briefcase at the time. So yeah, pe- and then he gets in the ring and he gives the, the briefcase to, I believe Kyoto and everyone's like, Oh my God, it's happening. It's happening right now. So, um, I agree with you. Um, I don't have CM Punk at number six. I'm going to spoil it. I have this one at number five. Um, and I'll get into to more reasons for that in a minute. But CM Punk 08 is on my list. 09 is not. Um, even though the 09 cash in, like you said, on Jeff led to better things, uh, the, it was just, 08 was just so much more memorable. And I'll get into my side of it in a second. But my number six is Dean Ambrose. Um, the reason for that is... Number one, his world title reign that started that night was so long overdue. I mean, you had the Roman Reigns-Seth Rollins rivalry culminate that night. Seth Rollins' first big match since his injury. Seth wins the championship that night. All of a sudden, then you hear Dean Ambrose's music. And by the way, Dean Ambrose won the briefcase that night as well. Um, So I I believe that made him the second superstar to cash in the same night and win. Comes out from underneath the ring, hits Seth in the head with the briefcase, which at that point you normally didn't see that much anymore. Hitting somebody in the head with the briefcase. Las Vegas is going insane. All Dean Ambrose does is just calmly get out of the ring, look at, I believe, Charles, or whoever the ref was. He goes, I'm cashing in, I'm cashing in right now. And the crowd just goes nuts. 
Lillian Garcia, ladies and gentlemen, Dean Ambrose is cashing in. This match is for the WWE World Heavyweight title, and he just stares down Seth Rollins. Seth doesn't have a clue where he is. He and he, you literally, everyone in the building knows it's over. He's got him. Bell rings, dirty deeds, one, two, three, game over. And also, that was also the same night that every member of the Shield held the world title on that night. Um, which to me, I thought was a very nice ending to the show. It set up the Shield triple threat. It set up the uh, the draft neck the, the following month, which led the WWE World Title to SmackDown. I thought that cash in was just awesome, and it was a long overdue reign. And I know the reign wasn't necessarily perfect for Dean. I know they could have done so much better, but the cash in itself, like you said, that's what we're focusing on tonight. The cash ins, that cash in was incredible. So I have Dean Ambrose at number six. Well then. <laughs> no, I love that cash in too. So now we're on to our number five, top five. Top five. My number five is Rob Van Dam. This one is so much higher because he was the first guy to announce his cash in. They do it in the Hammerstein Ballroom, a fully hardcore crowd, ECW hardcore fans in the Hammerstein Ballroom, where. If there was any doubt that John Cena had any hate around that, starting to get hate around that time, Cena, that Cena was treated like a total villain. And he took it in stride, too. He didn't... I mean, he kind of played to him, too, a little bit. Yeah. He was like... It's he as knew if, how to play the heel that night. It's as if he was the bad guys who killed John Wick's dog. <laughs> Like, that's how Cena was treated. And Rob Van Dam was the hero of the day, coming in, the clear-cut total babyface. The The crowd hated Cena so much that every time he threw his shirt into the crowd, they kept throwing it back. They kept throwing it back. I remember watching this match after it happened. It was a fun match. It was a good match. There's, you know, there's hardcore uh, spots. It's been a while since I've seen this, but... The moment of the cash-in, Edge came in and speared Cena with a biker helmet. And he had another jacket on. Okay, the biker helmet was a little much. But the referee was down. Paul Heyman comes in to make the pin because, okay. <laughs> and Rob Van Dam wins not the WWE title, but the ECW title. Um, and it was the best announced cash-in ever still to this day. Every other announced cash-in has been, for lack of better words, dog shit. And those cash-ins don't make this list. But because RVD, it was a great match. It was a fun match. It led to just a great moment for the fans that ECW is back until Rob Van Dam got caught with weed and then he had to drop both titles. <laughs> like the no, following. ECW is back for 24 hours. Yeah, but, uh, but it was just a fun moment. It was a great moment. It was... I think I one of those close, closest moments we get to see Cena being a heel. Um, Rob Van Dam, a guy who absolutely deserved to be world champion, became world champion, regardless how you think of it, you know, the circumstances afterwards, but the moment itself, the match itself was fantastic. So RVD is in my top five. You know, when, when you talk about that cash-in too, and you were talking about how Cena was throwing a shirt into the crowd and they kept throwing it back, the commentary in that match was fantastic. I remember at one point, Joey Styles goes, these ECW crowd wants no part of John Cena except maybe his head. <laughs> yeah, it's a great but line with Joey Styles. And like you said, that was one of those few times where Cena 
was the total villain, and he played it to perfection. He played the top heel that night. Um, now, let me ask you a question just kind of off record. Which crowd reaction for Cena was worse, Hammerstein Ballroom or Money in the Bank 2011 in Chicago? Which one do you think was worse for him? Ooh, Dan, that's good. That's really good. Um, both were bad. Because, well, one, you had Hammerstein Ballroom in New York and then in Manhattan, and then you have Chicago, which Ball is State like... Ooh. I'd probably say... I would have to say the Hammerstein Ballroom by a hair because it's the closest thing Cena had to like, I guess more of an indie type of environment. That's the closest, okay. I, I guess for that reasoning, but it was for, I guess for that reason, that's why I, I picked, I, I say it should be Hammerstein. Like, I just think it was more animosity. It was like, it was just, they were just clear cut ECW fans who wanted well, that, nothing to do with the WWE. Um, I guess... Um, I yeah. I mean, what's your number five? Well, I already said my number five. It's oh, CM Punk in 08. Um, and for okay. a lot of the same reasons that you had. Um, I was watching this live, too, as a little kid. I think I was 12 at the time when this happened. We all knew what happened the night before on the pay-per-view. Edge screws Batista, newest member of Raw out of the world title. So now we're thinking there are no world titles on Raw. There are two on SmackDown. Actually, CM Punk saved us from the universal title happening nine years before it actually did. So thank you, CM Punk. Mm -hmm. So I remember Edge comes out to ruin JR's farewell because JR went to SmackDown and is just, I did it. You guys have nothing. Goodbye. You'll never see me on Raw again. And then you hear Batista's theme song and then you're just like, Oh, I forgot. Batista's <laughs> on Raw. And Batista just comes out. Where are the funeral, guys? Face. Yep. Yeah, where's the dancing funeral? <laughs> that should be a dancing funeral meme. Because, like, <laughs> literally, Edge saw his life flash before his eyes when he turned around and saw him behind him. He was like, oh, shit. I forgot. And he literally had that look of, I forgot he's on Raw. And Batista beats the living crap out of Edge for a good seven to ten minutes leaves him in the middle of the ring and like you said when CM Punk's music hit at first everyone was a little confused well like what's going on and all of a sudden he's running out with a referee and you're starting now to understand CM Punk has money in the bank he's gonna cash in he's gonna cash in right now um and you remember that that spring into the summer he was thinking about cashing in on anybody mm -hmm. he was on EC I'm gonna cash on the ECW champion. He was he was basically sending Randy Orton messages when he was the WWE champion after WrestleMania. Like you didn't know who CM Punk was gonna go after. And finally, in a last attempt effort to bring a world title to Raw, CM Punk comes in, saves the day. It's the first Money in the Bank cash in besides RVD because he did wrestle on Raw too, uh, where the title switched brands in a cash in, not the superstar, the title. Switched brands in a cash-in. Um, pins edge. Place goes nuts. The World Heavyweight title's back on Raw for the first time in three years. Raw has a world champion. And yes, his reign wasn't exactly that great. I was pissed with the way they ended it. I thought his 0-9 reign was better and his rivalries were better. But the cash-in itself was incredible. And watching it as a little kid, when you're not really rooting for heels and you hate Edge in 2008, that was just icing on the cake so cm punk 2008 makes my top five so we're getting down to it cj number four and why dean ambrose because 
when I watched this money, this money they pay per view was actually very good. You had, I mean, you had uh, Styles and Nate and uh, Cena for the first time in that pay per view, and you have this great match between Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns, which Seth Rollins wasn't very happy with with that match revealing on Twitter earlier this week, but this match, this moment is very special because. It, it may be one of my favorite moments in, in a cash-in because you have Roman coming in as WWE champion. Seth Rollins, who had just come back from this grueling injury, which we were there for at Extreme Rules that year, losing our minds, jumping up I and down. Heard, I never heard The Rock that loud. It was so great, but they decided to make him a heel. Uh, anyway... <laughs> That was the moment right there. You wanted Seth Rollins to be a babyface. There's your moment right then and there. You don't have to turn. New Jersey, you're a crowd. You didn't have to turn. You did not have to turn Roman heel in that situation if you didn't want to. But you turned Seth heel, and the main reason they can be like, well, it's a New York, it's a New Jersey, New York crowd. They're a bunch of smart marks anyway. They always are for heels. <laughs> no, no. Anyway, that moment was great. This match was great. You know, Rollins catches Roman midair with a pedigree. Wins the match with the title. You know, we're happy for Seth Rollins. And then <clears throat> Ambrose is ready to come out to cash in. We're thinking he's going to run through. Rollins is ready for him. And then Michael Cole, guys, guys, behind Rollins. And boom, whacks him in the back of the head. Goes to Mike Jota, says, I'm cashing this in right now. Lillian Garcia announced WWE Championship match. Dirty Deeds, one, two, three. New WWE Champion, Dean Ambrose. It was a moment that just everything was happening all at once. And it was a moment that we'll never really see again because one of the most popular factions in WWE's history, all three of their members were WWE champion in the same night. That's something that's never really been done before. Ambrose had a, it was a well overdue uh, shot at the championship. His run wasn't that great. Um, but it was something fans were clamoring for for a long, long time. And just to see that happen made my night. I remember there was a, a thing on the uh, WWE meme uh, Facebook page where it shows each shot, like him giving the briefcase to Chioda, hitting the DDT on Rollins, and then holding the title up high. It says, Dean effing. Ambrose in three different shots and that was the, that was like the lock screen home screen of my phone for like several months because <laughs> I was such a big fan of Ambrose um, so that moment really is one of my favorite cash-ins ever and I love that they did that and it was very very smart moment you have all three guys in the shield become WWE champion which led to an abysmal eh, and okay Shield triple threat match, but what can you do? At least we got that moment. It would have been better at Mania if, if Rollins didn't get hurt. So, but that's another story for another yeah. day. My number four is an interesting one. You may have it on your list, you may not. My number four, Randy Orton, two thousand thirteen, the birth no. of the Authority, the rise of Daniel Bryan. I don't have that. The reason, the reason I put this on my list, and the reason why I actually have it so high, is because it was a point in wrestling where. I felt like everything kind of changed. You had John Cena, Daniel Bryan, main event SummerSlam, red hot staple center crowd. 
all Daniel Bryan, normal mixed reaction, more booze for John Cena. That was John Cena's last night before getting surgery. Commends to John Cena for wrestling with a torn tricep for two months. With a freaking football on his elbow. And a freaking football on his Good so, on John Cena. Kudos, kudos to him for that. I will always respect him for, for wrestling hurt and things like that, especially for giving us this match, which was pretty good. Triple was H, awesome special match. Guest, Triple H, special guest referee. These two tear it apart for nearly 25, 30 minutes. Finally, we get to the end. Daniel Bryan doing the yes chance. John Cena slowly getting up. And you see the running knee for the first time where he actually accidentally hit John Cena in the, in the eye. Nonetheless, didn't know that. Might, may or may not actually knocked him out for real. Daniel Bryan hits the cover. One, two. You're expecting Cena to kick out. Three. Game over. Bryan wins the title. Place goes crazy. Right? They have the handshake at the end. The hug from Triple H. The confetti. Daniel Bryan celebrating all over the place. And probably as a fan, you're thinking, there's five more minutes left to this pay-per-view. Oh, no. And all of a sudden... I hear voices, and you're like, son of a bitch. And, like, Randy Orton was a face at the time. Up at this moment, Randy Orton was a face. He was starting to tween a little bit, but more or less a face. Randy Orton runs down the ramp. It's Randy Orton! Randy Orton just shows him the briefcase and turns around and starts walking back. I thought he walked and slowly, he, and then he... Or did he run and he well, stopped? He, he had a fast walk and then stopped. So... Yeah. Then he's walking back up the ramp. Daniel Bryan starts doing the yes chants. You can see in the background Triple H starting to walk towards Daniel. And then you see Randy turn around. And then you see that center shot of Triple H getting closer. And you're like, F. Turns him <laughs> around. Pedigree in the middle of the ring. Randy Orton comes in. Gives him the briefcase. Triple H is still the referee. He doesn't give a shit if Daniel Bryan's not moving. Rings the bell. Randy Orton's the WWE champion. Birth of the authority. And at that very moment, the rise of Daniel Bryan. Because that cash-in led to everything that happened that year, including the main event of WrestleMania. Now, there were other factors that led to the main event of WrestleMania, CM Punk. But regardless of that, that led to something very special. The fans stayed behind Daniel Bryan. You know, the fans stayed behind him all year, all the way into WrestleMania where Daniel Bryan finally won the world title back and won it for real, not like Night of Champions and then uh, and then was forced to relinquish it the next night because Scott Armstrong and that piece of shit. But nonetheless, that I thought piece that, of shit. <laughs> but nonetheless, this one made my list so high because it, it set up and this is the one that really made my list mainly because of everything that happened after. The cash in was special. But everything that happened after that set up the next couple of years of WWE television. The authority, you know, Randy Orton is the champion, Seth Rollins is the champion, Daniel Bryan is the champion. It was that night at SummerSlam where the next three years were really written in WWE. So that's why this one made my list. So I have Randy Orton at number four, 2013. Well, Randy doesn't make my list. Rand That's Randall Ra Randall Keith does not make my list. It was a good cash, and I almost put it in there. Probably should have put him at ten or something. But fun fun little fact about that <laughs> SummerSlam is that I remember I went to the the Fridays that used to be up on uh, Route 17 South, which is which actually Sean, by the way, has been knocked down and is, is being turned to a hotel. It's it got really? knocked down. Well, yeah, by the Hula Hands. Right? Yeah, it got knocked down like like almost. 
like seven, eight months ago or something. And it's being built into a hotel now. Which anyway, so I remember I went to that some uh that fr- they used to show pay per views there all the time. And I saw the Royal Rumble when Rock won the title from CM Punk, uh the SummerSlam that year, the Money in the Bank that year. We used to go there all the time. So I remember watching that match. This guy in a John, the yellow John Cena shirt was he was running around like you. Oh, you can't see me. You can't see me. Oh when when Cena came out to the ring and everyone's booing the guy, and then there was this other kid, this um, this other kid who was like uh, who was boasting for like Randy Orton and John Cena, but he was like me and him were kind of like a stare down like. And then when Brian won the title. I decided to get out of my chair and just go, yes, 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 just like the the dickhead with the John Cena oh, shirt. Oh, you're such a jinx. <laughs> yes, no, 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 I screwed myself. You, um, you played yourself. I ran around like yes, 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 and then Joe's like my buddy Joe, which we all know in this party. Ed and Joe are both there. Joe's like, mm, I don't know, I'm, I don't have a good feeling about this. Triple H is still in the ring, and then Randy Orton comes in, he cashes in, and the kid who who like we were like having it was locking eyes on me the entire time. He just goes to me and gives the Randy Orton pose. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know, dickhead, I know. So I don't feel bad for you at all. <laughs> <laughs> That's it was. Say. It's funny. Just thinking about it now, I thought I'd just share that. I'd have been like, CJ, sit the F down before Randy Orton cashes in. You get us beat up. <laughs> I didn't want him to cash in that night. But anyway, he did. Okay, so moving on to number three. Number three. Now, my number three is the very first Money the Bank cash-in, Edge in 2006. Nice. I have Edge at number three as well, so I'm not going to harp on this too much. I'll let you go with this one. Okay, so I think we can both kind of – go back and forth a little bit because there is a yeah, certain cash. We, have the same top three. <laughs> we might. So let's see how this goes. Okay. So I remember this is, this was the, I saw this shared on Facebook recently from a friend of mine. And I remember commenting on the thing. I'm like, this is the moment where edge became a star. This is the moment where he became a single star, a main event guy. Yeah, he held the title for like two weeks and dropped it back to John Cena at the Royal Rumble. But this is when the the rise of Edge came to be. No one really understood the concept of the Money in the Bank briefcase yet. All we understood is that anybody could use this for a championship match whenever they wanted to. They figured, okay... We're gonna this per and Edge kept saying I'm gonna use this at WrestleMania. So a lot of people are thinking, um, well, probably gonna be Edge against the champion at WrestleMania. No, after the this Elimination Chamber match, Vince McMahon comes out and says this night is not over. We uh, this individual is cashing in his Money in the Bank opportunity he won at WrestleMania, ladies and gentlemen. Edge. This is when we really started to understand what the concept of the Money in the Bank. Uh, briefcase was right because it had never been done before yeah we can you can use it at any time you do not have to announce I want to face the champion at Wrestlemania or I want my championship match the Royal Rumble or whatever it is you can do it at any time Cena uh, Cena was beaten up he kicked out of the first spear uh, and just just the great uh, line from Joey Styles at the end Edge has shocked the world, and what was really funny is like when Edge is like he's he's shaking his pecs down the on the ring. He's like, "You're mine, you're mine, you're mine." Like <laughs> looking back at that, it's so funny. Um, I, I mean, it's just 
really started the whole concept of the money in the bank. And I guess just give your take on it since it's your number three too, right? Yeah, I mean, you, you know, I would I would disagree with the part where he became a star because I really think that that started with the Matt Hardy rivalry a few months before because they were the hottest thing on Raw, that true. rivalry for, the, for those Very true. end of the summer, into the fall. I would argue and say that Edge became a star then under unfortunate circumstances, might I add, because that really should have never happened, but they took advantage of, of what happened that winter and, and really blossomed into an unbelievable rivalry between the two. But that night he became you know, a champion for the first time. And he really solidified himself as a world champion that night. That part I agree with. And I agree with everything you said about the concept of money in the bank, because no one had ever seen a cash in before. No one knows what this is supposed to be. And edge really personified what the money in the bank cash in means. Now, sure. RVD the year after did it, you know, I'm going to face you in three weeks at one night stand. and I'm going to beat you. And he did. And then the next year, Edge took out a already taken out Undertaker. And normally right after that, you would see opponents take advantage of their... You would see the people who have the cash, the money in the bank, take advantage of their opponents that are down. But Edge was Edge started that, and Edge made it famous. Um, and of course, it's the first one ever. He kept telling everyone he would do it at WrestleMania, he would do it at WrestleMania, he would do it at WrestleMania. And even after the Elimination Chamber match the night that night, that crowd thought it wasn't going to happen. Vince McMahon comes out. What the hell's going on? This I was confused. This individual is cashing in. He's doing what? And then they're <laughs> like, oh, my God. I'm like, so he can really do it anytime, anywhere? That was the first time everyone started to grasp the concept, even though we all knew what the concept was on paper. No one really knew until it happened that night, and that's why this makes my top three as well. Edge 2006, a memorable one, the first one, and the first one in our eyes done right. Absolutely. I give that one to Edge. Edge is number three. I definitely think we're going to have the same two and one. So number two for me is Dolph Ziggler. Agreed. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. Now I can really get into this because I was there for this. Okay. I'm just going to turn my mic off. This this was the night after WrestleMania 29. I had went to this WrestleMania with former guests on this podcast, as everybody knows if you listen, Joe and Ed, and it was a good, it was a decent WrestleMania. Looking back on it, and the crowd wanted Ziggler to cash in Money in the Bank earlier the night. He had a tag team title match against uh, Kane and Daniel Bryan against him and Big E. Yeah, remember that <laughs> Big E and Dolph Ziggler. So anyway, we had. They lost the match. Del Rio retained the title. He was the world champion. And everyone's saying, we want Ziggler. We want Ziggler. It didn't happen. Um, so, the night after, we went to Monday Night Raw in the IZOD Center. So, this, if I made my own personal list of favorite wrestling shows ever, this is one of them. It was, it was the first and only time that I've ever experienced a Raw after Mania. And in my opinion... Quite frankly, maybe the best Raw after Mania? Maybe? I don't know. One of, one one of, of the... I, one watched of the it, I watched it on TV, without a doubt, one of them. One of the best Raw after I've never experienced anything like this before. And me and my buddy Joe went to this Raw afterwards, and we were saying to ourselves, man, I think I'm having more fun at this than I was at Mania last night. And... The match you weren't freezing your ass off at the end of the show. So no, we were, in, we, were, we were in a building. <laughs> we were, so we're waiting. We're watching the show. And 
there is a handicap match between Zeb Coulter and Jack Swagger against Alberto Del Rio. Alberto Del Rio gets hurt in the match. I think he hurts his leg or something. And yeah. we're speculating, do you think he can cash in tonight? Do you think Ziggler will cash in tonight? After the match is over, we're, I'm here to sh- Oh, we're like, oh my God, it's happening. It's happening. It's happening. I remember, remain calm, remain calm, remain, remain effing calm. <laughs> like, we're losing our shit. Ziggler's coming down to the ring. He gives the briefcase, cashing in. Like, they really kept you on your feet, like, on your toes for a while. We did not, we were not sure if Ziggler was actually going to cash in. Just the crowd was so fully behind him. Even though he was a heel at the time. Everybody wanted Ziggler to cash in. Everybody wanted Ziggler to win. He hits the zi- the final zigzag. One, two, three. The place erupts. Ziggler's the world champion. And again, this title reign didn't lead to much, but it's just one of the, just generally one of the best moments I've ever experienced at a wrestling show. That post-WrestleMania crowd. Remember, this is a New Jersey, tri-state area crowd, so New York, New Jersey crowd, and you got people from all, international, all over the world, from the UK, from from Europe, Asia, all over the world. People come and travel to WrestleMania, and this was just an absolutely amazing moment. And it's a crowd experience. I don't know if I, I, I that I've ever... It's something I never experienced before, and it's just something I loved. And I'll let you talk about this, Sean, because I'm talking way too much about this. I mean, this one was special for me because I was watching it live when it happened. I mean, you were in the building, so I can't really, you know, speak with the lengths that you got to speak of. But I watched it live, and I had those same speculations in that handicap match. I'm like, I think it could happen tonight. I'm like, he's st- I mean, he's only got, like, maybe under two months left to cash this in. He's running out of time. Um and at that point, you know, the, the Jack Swagger Alberto Del Rio match the night before wasn't bad. It was pretty good. Um, yeah. I like the push that they gave Jack Swagger, even though he basically ruined it for himself. But at that point <laughs> on Monday Night Raw, on Monday Night Raw, I'm like, they can only do so much more with Jack Swagger and Alberto Del Rio. They got to do something else. And then he gets hurt, and I'm like, it's got to happen. It's got to happen right now. I'm like, this crowd is fired up. They're ready. They got to do it now. And then his music hit, and that crowd went nuts. And correct me if I'm wrong, CJ, I'm pretty sure it was the first heel to get a pop like that for a cash-in ever. I don't think Edge got... Well, I mean, Edge Most, did when he when he won, but Most, when... Yeah, like, it, it's... Dolphin kit, the roof blew off the place. At the time, it's probably the loudest reaction for a cash-in ever, up until a certain right. point. It, like, at the time, it was the loudest cash-in ever. It was considered to be the best cash-in ever. Right. And and I have it at number two because as good as it was, it's not the best cash in ever. Unfortunately, with that CJ, I'll I'll leave you for number one. Who is the number one on your list and why? Seth Rollins. <laughs> so, Seth Rollins is number one for the f- pure fact that he was the first one to cash in at WrestleMania, saving that WrestleMania. Even that main, the main event wasn't too bad. I mean, the match it was a lot better of a match than than a build up that they had. The build up was drop dead awful. Yeah, so <laughs> they like the real itself was not good. What I said, the mania itself was not good. So I agree with you. He saved he saved the entire event that night. I mean, the mania itself. I mean, it, it was better than most people give it credit for. It was. 
I think had Seth not cashed in, it would have been a pretty piss poor mania. I mean, they had some good matches and the show overall was okay. But it's the main event that really, really, the last thing that happens before the show is over that really makes you, like, just puts your opinion in perspective. It's the last thing you see before you go home. WWE had really booked themselves into a corner at this point. Roman Reigns was not getting over the way they wanted to want him to. Right. Um, Brock Lesnar had just resigned a contract for the WWE. Went on um, Sports Center four days before and announced it. Yeah. So the thing was is that okay, if fans are tired of, of Brock having the championship, if we keep it on Brock, you know, that's a problem. Ro- Roman's not getting over how we want him to. That's a problem. Roman wasn't ready. I mean, as much as that's the thing to me, Roman wasn't ready, and he w- he could have been if they had booked him properly, but it, it just wasn't going to work out. And the match itself was good, like you said, it was a better than a lot, given lo- most people thought it would be. But the f- for the sec the second you heard his music hit, Rollins sprinting down the ring, handing the briefcase over. 70,000 people going insane. I'm losing my shit on my couch at home. Ed and Joe came over to my house to watch that WrestleMania, and I'm losing my mind. I'm jumping up and down. I'm losing my shit. I'm just going absolutely nuts. And he goes, he curve stomps Lesnar, tries to go for another curve stomp. Lesnar picks him up, about to hit an F5. Roman with the spear hits a curb stomp to Roman. And if you listen closely, you can hear Rollins saying thank you so much to Roman in his ear. Wins the title. Runs up the ramp. You have people shocked. You have people losing their mind. It was the perfect ending to a WrestleMania and it saved the show. Just, it's the first cash in at WrestleMania. Of course it's going to be the best cash in ever. Of course. You know what's funny, too, about that whole thing was I remember the next day a meme came out going, there were two pictures of Seth Rollins that night. The first one is him holding the belt in the air in the ring going, when you realize you just won the world title. And then the next one is him running up the ramp going, when you realize you just cashed in on Brock Lesnar. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, shit, getting out of here. But I agree with you. I mean... Heist of the century. It's funny about that cash in, too, because... I was at a watch party that night. I remember you came uh, to our radio show that morning. Yeah, that's right. That was fun. With us, and I went over to my buddy's house that night off campus to watch the show, and we talked about the possibility of the cash-in happening, and we were all expecting that it was going to happen, mainly for the reasons that you just spoke of. Roman wasn't getting over the way he wanted. Brock can't retain the title. You know, do you want to send people home so sour that we were like the only reasonable way to end this WrestleMania is for Seth Rollins to walk out the champion. We had all predicted him to lose to Randy Orton early in the night, and he did. And right when he did that, I was like, he's cashing in money in the bank tonight. They were second on the card. He had four and a half hours to get ready to cash in money in the bank. There was no way he wasn't doing it. Everyone in the building, everyone at home who had a clue, expected that to be the finish. And even when the music hit, first of all, the match itself between Roman and and Brock, like I said, was a lot better than the build that they had. The build was dropped dead terrible. WrestleMania 34, the exact opposite. Build was great, match was terrible. Um, when Brock hit that last F5 on Roman Reigns and they were both laying there, you knew. You knew he was coming out. Now, they tricked us because we thought it would happen post-match. I never expected a triple threat. Never. That's so they what made it even more crazy. Part. 
Right, that's what made it more crazy. But when he hit that last F five, and they were laying there, both of them, and and Jerry Law's like, "Cover him!" You're just like, <laughs> "Here we go!" And then you hear, dun, 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 and you're just like, "Yes!" <laughs> and Seth running down the ra- first off, he almost fell like three times because that giant curve going onto the ramp. He was just like, "Oh, don't want to overrun and fall over." Don't want to get on. I don't want to get on Botchamania. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But it, it was insane, and, and the ending to the match and just the pop when he finally won the title, it was the only logical ending that night. And I remember a couple of years ago, they, they released a, a video of Seth talking about it, and he was like, I didn't find out that I was cashing in until right after my match with Randy, which is so funny because everyone knew that it was going to happen weeks before. We were like, I don't- it has happen i don't think everybody knew it was going to happen everybody knew everybody wanted they wanted it to happen no not even just one we were anticipating it was going to happen it needed it needed to happen i was gonna say that it it, it needed to happen because the mania would have not been as good as received as well as it was had rollins not cashed in if the if that mania ended with lesnar winning it would have been barred as a bad mania if it if it Ended with Roman winning, it would have been barred as a bad mania. Seth Rollins coming in, cashing in money in the bank, the first person to do it at WrestleMania, the way he wins it, I mean, it was, it's genuinely one of my favorite WrestleMania moments. Right. Because it's a first ever. I agree. And and like I said, I mean, I think a lot of people were anticipating it. So the, the idea that Seth didn't even know until right after his match with Randy said, okay, this is what we're doing. Here's the plan. You're cashing in tonight. I thought that was pretty special, too. So uh, it was no question. Seth Rollins, the number one on my list. So, CJ, real quick, we are running out of time. Why don't we get these predictions out of the way? Oh, yeah, so we got predictions, we- man. Okay, we got to do that. Yeah, so let's get-, we get. We'll yeah, get through them quickly. All right. So, um, so it's an interesting card, I think. We'll, we'll, we'll start with the SmackDown tag title match. The New Day, obviously, defending against the Miz and Morrison, the Forgotten Sons, Lucha House Party. Who do you got here and why? Um, New Day. This this isn't an elimination fatal four way, is it? I don't think it is. All right, yeah. I I just don't see them taking the titles off a of New Day. I don't see them put on Lucha House Party. I think they're there because they're just there. Um, Forgotten Sons. I mean, I think it's really too soon. I don't see them putting the titles on them. I unfortunately I like the Forgotten Sons, but I think they're just gonna get lost in the shuffle. Miz and Morrison. I can see this to being the start of the dissension between them, and maybe a match at SummerSlam. Um, but I think it's going to be the new day, and I think when the Usos, when they want to bring them back, for maybe they're just putting them on holds. It's like maybe they just like, hey, we don't, just don't want to use you right now. Maybe they want to save that for SummerSlam, like the big blow off between New Day and the Usos. Well, one of the Usos, I think it's Jimmy. He's hurt. That's why they're not in this match. Okay, so yeah, I'm gonna say uh, New Day because I think they're gonna lead to that eventual blow off with the with the Usos. I agree. I'll take the New Day. There's not much build to this match. I mean, I think the Miz and Morrison eventually are going to come to blows, too. And again, the Forgotten Sons, I mean, I just don't think they're necessarily ready yet. No one gives a shit about Lucha House Party. So I'll take the New Day in this one. Uh, let's go to Bailey versus Tamina for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Who do you got here and why? I'm sorry. This is a real match? Yes, this is a real match. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I know. This, this is hard. Just Bailey. I mean,. They're trying to build Tamina as a credible threat for her title. It it it's Tamina. Come on, it's not going to happen. Bailey's going to retain. Yes, I agree. Bailey wins next. <laughs> Braun Strowman <laughs> versus Bray Wyatt for the Universal Championship. Not the fiend Bray Wyatt, Mister Rogers Bray Wyatt. Firefly Funhouse. Um, right. Braun Strowman because I 
I'm afraid that Braun will squash Bray, but here's what I think will happen. I think Braun will win. I think he'll retain the title, and I think after the match, The Fiend will show up, and I think they'll use that and then to continue the feud, and whatever the next pay-per-view is, The Fiend will... I think they'll eventually have The Fiend win the title, and then they'll eventually do Roman versus The Fiend whenever they want to do that and have and give The Fiend a proper title uh, run again, but I don't want to see The Fiend in the world title scene anymore. I really don't. I just I want him to stay away from it for a long time because if you're not going to give him a dominant title run, then don't put him in the world title picture because it just doesn't seem right to me. But Braun Strowman to to win and retain. I agree. I'll take Braun, but I'm going to take Braun by disqualification because I, like a lot of what you just said, I think the Fiend's going to show up after they're going to continue this rivalry. Um, not that Bray Wyatt, you know, Firefly Funhouse Bray Wyatt can't afford a loss, but I think that if you're going to set up something else, they're going to do it in a way where you're kind of expecting it not to be over. So I'm going to take Braun Strowman by uh, Drew McIntyre versus Seth Rollins for the WWE title. Who do you got and why? Drew McIntyre and Seth Rollins. Uh, it's Drew McIntyre. It's Drew. It's got to be Drew. It's his first title defense. I think it's going it, to, it's probably the mo- more predictable answer from this entire show but uh, I'm looking forward to it I'm excited for it but yeah Drew I agree I'll take Drew I think it'll be a really good match I don't necessarily think that their story ends here Um, but it's too soon for Drew to lose the championship after all this time you're gonna have him lose it in his first title defense because the big show doesn't count uh, not in my mind I'll take Drew (laughs) McIntyre to win this match Uh, the main event because the, these matches are actually going to happen at the same time, which what they, this is going to be a disaster, in my opinion. Oh Christ! The women's and men's money in the bank ladder match, and I, we're going to announce our predictions at the same time for both matches. So it's Nia Jax, Oscar, Shayna Baszler, Lacey Evans, Carmella, and Dana Brooke, and right next to them is going to be AJ Styles, Aleister Black, Rey Mysterio, Daniel Bryan, Otis, and King Corbin. Who wins the matches and why, CJ? Yes who wins the matches because they're going to happen at the same time. I didn't know they were going to be having the same time. Jesus Christ. Um, okay. Well, for the men's mind, the big ladder match, I have AJ styles. Um, I think because he's a last minute replacement, usually the last minute replacements usually win the matches. Um, I really had to think about this. Mysterio doesn't need it. Brian's done it. He doesn't need it. I don't see Otis winning the champion, uh, the briefcase, although it would be funny if he had it because he could probably put like lunch in there. He'd probably put like ham and, f- and freaking turkey and mashed potatoes in that, in that briefcase. I would love to see what he would do with it, but I don't think he's going to win. Um, Alistair Black is someone who could definitely really use it, but I just don't see him coming up to, the, to his little thing with the briefcase in one hand while he's got his arms in a cross. Uh, I don't see that unless they could just leave it out there for the pay- to carry it. I don't know. But uh, I just don't think it's his time yet. Although it would be a great cash-in. He comes in, cashes in, just one kick, Black Mass wins the title. That'd be great. Um, Corbin is another person who could probably win it, but I'm afraid he will. But I'm just going to say AJ is a safe bet. And for the women, I I'm going with Asuka because I think they're really behind her. As much as I'm not crazy about her screaming in Japanese... She has been kind of the MVP of the empty arena era. Uh, and Vince is behind her with what she's doing. Uh, I almost went with Shayna Baszler, but I just don't think they have faith in her. So AJ and Asuka. Sean? Oh, you t- I didn't know you stopped talking because you, you <laughs> cut out for a minute. Okay. So um, 
I'm going to disagree with both of them. I'm going to have Aleister Black win the men's match. Um, I really think that, like you said, I mean, it's either going to be AJ or Aleister, and I really think that they're going to set up a program between the two afterwards, maybe even have the Money in the Bank contract on the line in one of those matches. But I think it's Alistair's time. I think he deserves it. I think he's worked his ass off for it. And I, and I think, like you said, I mean, it would be an interesting cash in just to have a black mass and a one, two, three. Um, so, and, and who knows? They, they can have the money in the bank on him for a while and, and just not do anything with it. And then all of a sudden just come out of nowhere and just cash it in. But I like Alistair Black in this match. I don't think AJ necessarily needs to win it as much as Alistair Black does. So for that reason alone, I'll take Alistair Black in the men's match. For the women's match, I am going to pick Shayna Baszler. I think they wronged her so bad at WrestleMania. I think this is the only way that they they can actually attempt to fix um, and actually... Because here's the thing. We talked about this a million and a half times. They made her so dominant before Mania. Mania, she looks like absolute garbage. Then they continue to make her look semi-dominant. You know, besides the recent segments with Nia Jax and Asuka. But besides that, they make her still look like an MMA badass. So you put the briefcase on her, and then maybe you could do something down the line with her. I really think that giving her... And, and I like Asuka. And trust me, I could totally see her winning the match. But putting it on Shayna Baszler, I think is a way to right the wrong of WrestleMania and just how horrible they made her look. So I'll take Shayna Baszler to win the women's match as well. All right, then. I don't think they have faith in Shayna Baszler. I, I just don't. I hope you're wrong. I really do. Anyway. I really do, because they, they, because the way they wronged her at Mania was just unbelievable. Don't get me wrong. I love Shayna, and I think she, she deserves more, but I just don't see it happening. That's fair. So we'll wrap up quickly because we've been at this a while. But CJ, before yeah. we wrap up, uh, just give your social media plugs. And also, what are you looking forward to in the next couple of weeks? We got double or nothing in about a week and a half, two weeks. Um, hopefully, we'll start seeing fans and arenas again very soon. Um, what are your expectations for pro wrestling in the next couple of weeks? Uh, I'm excited for Money in the Bank. I think the match, the Money in the Bank ladder matches themselves, will be very interesting. I think a lot of the stuff has been taped already, so it's. Uh, it's going to be interesting. Like one thing I'm really looking forward to is like someone being like, "Ha!" Huh, like Corbin or something being like, "I'm going to use the elevator to get to the top of the top of Titan Towers," and while well, everyone else is being stupid using the stairs. And then I just see someone coming in and hitting all the buttons on the, on the elevator to make it forever. Um, I feel yeah, like I, I feel like we're going to see someone fall off a of Titan Tower, uh, Die Hard style. Um, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> just someone thrown off the headquarters. Oh my god! That would be interesting. Uh, how you came in that way just didn't sound good. <laughs> um, but anyway, just because you were cutting in and out for me. But anyway, so I think that that'll be a lot of fun. Um, I, I think we're gonna see a lot of interesting spots in this match. Um, I'm excited for it. Uh, I'm looking forward to double or nothing and how that's gonna work out. Um. And I mean, it's an interesting time we're living in. Uh, I, I'm, but I'm looking forward to the next couple of weeks of pro wrestling. Uh, and again, you can follow us at TNAWP on Twitter, like us on Facebook at uh, the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. Follow us on Instagram at the Not Another Wrestling Podcast, and be, be sure you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor.fm, Podbean, and pretty much wherever you can find your podcast needs. That's all for me. Yeah, so real quick for me, too. I mean, I'm excited for the next few weeks. I'm looking forward to Money in the Bank, even though I think the Money in the Bank matches. I mean, hopefully the right 
people win because I think these matches are going to be this happening at the same time. If I'm being dead honest with you, I, I just think this is absolutely dangerous. Like I act, and maybe they were already taped, and maybe they're going to do it in a safe way. I just think it's going to be a disaster waiting to happen. But hopefully, the right people win the match, and hopefully, the pay per view goes off without a hitch. And Sometimes disasters can be fun. Yes. That's also true, as long as somebody gets thrown off the top of the building. But anyway, hmm. um, we'll be back next week. We'll discuss a lot of Double or Nothing, because that'll happen next Saturday. Um, mm-hmm. So we'll be here a couple of Saturdays from now, actually. But we'll get more into Double or Nothing uh, next week. So this has been the Not Another Wrestling Podcast for Sean McChesney. And CJ Palmasano. We'll see you next time.